On this edition of the Federal Government Today with Francis Rose, a revamp to the government's cyber scorecard and the data problem that's driving Capitol Hill crazy. It's Friday, December 16th, 2022. Welcome to this preview edition of the Federal Government Today with Francis Rose. This episode will give you a taste of what to expect when this show rolls out every day starting January 17th, 2022. It'll feature the same kinds of discussions and topics you've come to expect on the shows I've done in the past, the intersection of acquisition, workforce, IT, and financial management and budget that drives how the federal government does business. The goal of the show is to help federal leaders do their jobs better and serve America better. This show is going to take you all over Washington, all over the country, and even all over the world to connect you with the people who were doing that business of the federal government. And this preview is an example of that. The 15th Fatara scorecard features new metrics and better grades for agencies across the board. The new scorecard came out at a hearing of the House Government Operations Subcommittee Thursday. The witnesses included Federal Chief Information Security Officer Chris DeRussia, USAID Chief Information Officer Jason Gray, and Carol Harris and Jennifer Franks, both directors at the Government Accountability Office. After opening statements, the first member of the committee to ask questions of those witnesses was Representative Chantel Brown of Ohio. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, At our last um, FATAR hearing, we found bipartisan consensus on many things, including our disappointment with the administration's unwillingness to work with this subcommittee to provide meaningful and accurate data to SCORE's agency cybersecurity um, postures. 10 of the 24 agencies received a failing grade last time. I'm happy to report that for the past six months, we have worked with the Office of Management and Budget and Dr. DeRusha to develop cybersecurity metrics for the scorecard. And today, we offer agencies and the public a preview of a new meaningful cybersecurity metric. So my question, um, Mr. DeRusha, can you explain the methodology behind these new cybersecurity metrics and why you think these are the correct metrics to incentivize agency best practices? Yeah, absolutely, Representative. I appreciate the question. So the metrics that we put up in performance.gov yesterday are a good representative sample of where we've been focused in EO implementation. So for example, if you look in the protect category, we focused on uh, four things there. One is ensuring we understand and are prioritizing risk as our adversaries look at our networks. We're talking about smart, smart patching which is using intelligence to prioritize our risk remediation. Second, we're looking at multi-factor authentication. That is one of the most effective ways to keep our adversaries out when they are knocking on the door. And last, we've focused on encryption. So if those defenses fail, um, you know, the, the harm is lessened or reduced to zero if you've got encryption in place. So for us, we've been really focused on ensuring that we're putting the most attention and understanding where there may be gaps in implementation and opportunities for new policy interventions. So happy to continue to discuss um, our methodology beyond that, but those are the areas that I think uh, deserve the most focus. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Gray, how do you interpret the new metrics? Do you see them as an accurate reflection of your agency's posture and that they point you in the right direction as you seek to keep your agency on top of evolving threats? Um, The cybersecurity metric is unique on the scorecard by its nature. An effective approach to cybersecurity demands nimbleness and agility and ability to predict and defend against evolving attacks and ever more determined adversaries. As a result, 
The scorecard cybersecurity metric has evolved over time, using publicly available data to hold agencies accountable for making real progress in making their systems more secure. And the need for transparency and access must be balanced against the legitimate need to protect sensitive data and information. Thank you for your question, Representative. Uh, so I have, as even during my opening remarks, commented about the need for additional metrics for cybersecurity. Uh, because the, the FISMA scores that we get every year uh, are great, uh, but they're dated. So I am certainly an advocate for more metrics in terms of capturing the cybersecurity risk that agencies uh, are uh, able to manage. So I think it's a good start. I know we've been briefed on it. Uh, much like FATARA, I think, and look forward to it evolving over time. Uh, I know the CIO Council has been briefed on the metrics and the methodology. And I would say that for the metrics that are captured in what I have seen, yes, it is uh, accurate as it relates to those metrics. I do think that there needs to be more. And even uh, OMB stated this when we, it was briefed to the CIO Council that it's going to mature. So I look forward to working closely with OMB and the CIO Council to uh, look for additional metrics that could be used to capture the holistic risk the agencies uh, are managing every day. Thank you so much. Mr. DeRusha, um, the, DeRusha, the administration has prioritized zero trust as a bold and fundamental strategy to secure federal information technology systems. Can you speak more to what a zero trust strategy involves and how this approach has been incorporated into the scorecard metrics? In, yes, absolutely, Representative. So our zero trust strategy has uh, been based on extensive coordination with the private sector. This is essentially a security modernization strategy. What we learned in events like SolarWinds is that the old approach to being able to rely on our network boundaries as the perimeter of trust, and then once you're vetted and in, um, you can access resources freely, no longer works. And so what we're, we're talking about here is focusing on a new approach to identity access management uh, and control, and so that we are validating uh, every user and device every time it tries to access a resource to ensure that they are uh, who they say they are or the device is safe to operate in that environment. So it's really based around that and a number of other fundamental capabilities to ensure um, quicker detection of adversary uh, activity. Thank you. And thank you so much, Ms. Brown. Um, Thank you. And by the way, Mr. Gray, if I were getting an A, I'd say the metrics are perfect. Don't change a thing. Uh, but good for you in saying, no, it's got to evolve. Um, uh, the distinguished ranking member, Mr. Heiss, is recognized for his round of questioning. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Uh, you know, the, the, the metrics have changed, but really nothing is, has changed. Uh, and that's what's kind of disturbing to me. I mean, uh, the uh, data used to compute this scorecard uh, was the same data that was used last year, and really nothing changed but the, the, the grade, uh, and because it's a, a little more weighted approach to scoring. Uh, for example, last year the EPA got a D, this time it got a C, but nothing has changed, just the way we scored. So we're not getting anywhere. We may pat ourselves on the shoulder and say, hey, we've got better grades. But we don't have better grades. We just have a different way of grading, and nothing has changed from last year. And that's, that's disturbing to me. Uh, Mr. DeRusso, let me ask you this. And we, we uh, do have your written testimony and have looked through it. And in there, you mentioned 20 references to the President's executive order 
on cybersecurity, but, but no references to the cross-agency priority goals. Um, so this is likewise a bit confusing to me. Is this administration, uh, in your opinion, prioritizing an executive order over the federal law that requires cap goals, number one? And number two, what is Congress supposed to do to, with this? Are we supposed to now prioritize an executive order over federal law? Uh, so, Ranking Member, I appreciate the question. Uh, the answer is they're both important. Uh, you know, OMB's position is that we are complying with the law, and we made a decision to weave IT and cybersecurity throughout the President's management agenda and several cap goals. And we had a very aggressive executive order which we needed to measure our progress on. So we repurposed our FISMA metrics to really align with all of the uh, goals and objectives that we laid out in there. For example, OMB has issued uh, nine memoranda, nine cybersecurity policy, policy memoranda since the order was issued. So we're very active and busy here, and there's just a whole body of work that we feel needs to be managed through that other process, but they're both extremely important. Well, if they're both extremely important, why didn't you even mention CAP goals? Why did you mention the uh, executive order 20 times, but not a single mention of the responsibility of federal law? I mean, this is, this is backwards to me. Just because there's an executive order does not give you nor anybody else the right to ignore the federal law, including the administration. And it's time this stuff gets cleared up. Uh, the law is the law, and it means something. And it does not mean that we can ignore it. And I, I would think the chairman shares my frustration with this. The law is significant. It's the law, for crying out loud. And even in your own written statement, you ignored it and placed priority on emphasizing the executive order. Uh, let me, instead of the law, let me, let me ask you this. You, you are now wearing two hats, uh, the national cyber director, and the Chief Information Security Officer. Uh, the uh, NCD, relatively new, which in fairness, I voted against it because it's confusing to me. I, it's like, what is it going to do? What is it supposed to do? Uh, and that was never clear to me. It's still not clear to me. So if you could, uh, in the, the two hats, the dual hats that you're wearing, explain what's the difference between these two positions. So, Representative, my experience of being the first um, Deputy National Cyber Director dual-hatted also as the federal CISO is that it's worked really well. Look, the Office of National Cyber Director is a brand new organization. I think it's going to add a ton of value over the long term, and already we've seen it. You know, the office has grown to almost 75 people, and we're out there um, coordinating, communicating with the entire nation, and really getting everybody in the same consistent path towards you know, a modernization agenda. So for me, um, being one foot in both organizations just ensures that we are congruent in all of our policy directions so you don't have you know, separate officials making different decisions. Um, what that decision made was just kind of ensure that So we're which all... one is involved in policy? Well, I'm the same person, so they're, they're both involved in policy in the end. But, you know, OMB uh, generally still issues the policy memorandum per FISMA 2014 authorities, and we're just ensuring that Office of National Cyber Director staff are always um, aligned and, and supportive. So is one more leaning towards policy uh, and strategy or whatever, the other more involved in uh, enforcement, if you will, of, 
of the policies or what? I'm going to describe the, the, op, the, the number one benefit of being uh, in the NCD organization is that I'm aligned to and part of the entire organization's daily activities so that I can stay apprised of where the entire strategic decisions are being made for the whole uh, uh, office and then bring that into everything that we're doing for federal. So I, you know, that's kind of how I would just draw the, the, draw the distinction. Okay. My time's expired. It's still unclear to me. Thank you. How are you? Uh, thank you, Mr. Heiss. Um, chair recognizes himself. Uh, Mr. Gray, I know you have only been there four months, but you have got a perspective having come from a previous agency. Um, and I, I guess I would invite you to talk a little bit about how, how did AID do it? Um, I remember when AID got a low grade, and now you are kind of the archetype of how to do it and get an A. Um, and so could you share with us a little bit your observation of what, what were the elements, management elements, uh, resources deployed, personnel decisions, uh, policy decisions that went into AID taking a different direction, uh, and, and consciously so? Uh, thank you for the question, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I would say that it, while it has only been four months, I have certainly been on this uh, FATARA journey for a number of years. Uh, the embrace by the agency of FATARA uh, in totality. Uh, I have only been there four months, but uh, there is not one week that goes by where FATARA is not referenced in, in one meeting or another. Uh, focusing on cybersecurity or governance or modernization and the key tenets of uh, FATARA has been fully embraced. Uh, policy has driven it. Senior leadership's involvement has driven it. Uh, resources being applied towards uh, complying with and making sure that, uh, that, that we are leading FATARA in implementing uh, to, to really ensure that we are making uh, better informed decisions. I look at FATARA in a way uh, like a navigational uh, roadmap uh, for a CIO that you know where those critical landmarks are that keep you on track. Uh, and as it has evolved, those landmarks become clearer and we can measure month over month, day over day, year over year to see are we making it towards that goal. So from what I have seen uh, in the time is the, the full embrace uh, of, of FATARA. It's not just a compliance activity uh, the outcome is better informed decisions, uh, better management uh, in terms of uh, resources, and that's funding uh, and individuals, and applying those resources to the appropriate uh, projects and activities that are going to lead us to the future. Uh, that's what I would attribute. Uh, the team has been phenomenal. Uh, I, I will share, and I was sharing earlier, the uh, inheriting the team is just amazing. Just a phenomenal team that's fully embraced it, supported it, and is 100% behind it. Congressman. And obviously, uh, for that to be successful the way you describe it also requires the leadership to be fully on board. Yes, Mr. Chairman, absolutely. And have you found that other agencies are approaching AID to say, how did you do it? I mean, is there some cross-fertilization going on? Uh, is there curiosity, if not a desire to emulate what AID has achieved in other agencies of the federal government? Well, I, I couldn't say that I've been there so, such a short period of time. I will tell you that at the Federal CIO Council, 
there's a lot of conversation specifically on lessons learned and best practices and how do we do this and how did you do that? Uh, which even myself coming in new, there were a lot of questions that I had of how did you tackle this and what was a, a, a really good way to, to manage uh, this component or this part of uh, FATARA? Well, I guess I'd urge you to document it. Uh, I mean, let's capture it and, and share it with other agencies because um, you are a model. Um, and uh, while we want to talk about other metrics we may want to capture in a future scorecard, we don't want to lose the metrics we got now and what they've accomplished. And you're an example of that. Ms. Harris, did you want to comment on that from GAO's perspective, specifically about what AID has, the transformation they've gone through, and from your observation, um, how do they do it and why are they so successful and can others emulate it? Well, I think Mr. Gray covered it very well. I think because they live and breathe FITARA and they have fully embraced it and they have executive leadership at the top that is fully promoting the important tenets of FITARA that has made all the difference. And when you compare the agencies that are not doing as well as USAID, um, that is one of the key factors as to why. Plain and simple. Just calling it Conley Isa just is so much easier than FITARA. But yeah, right, that's a different subject. Um, thank you. My time has expired. Mr. Clyde, you're recognized for your line of questioning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start off with um, a question regarding the new metric. And um, uh, we'll go to GAO, uh, Ms. Harris and Ms. Franks, in that order, if you don't mind. Uh, what is your perspective on this new metric? Well, I'm, I'm going to let Ms. Franks All talk right. about the, the new metric. But what I, I do want to go back to is the existing metric right now for cybersecurity is incomplete. It's not a perfect metric. It is not intended to measure cyber comprehensively. I think Mr. Gray is probably onto it where you're going to have to have multiple metrics to give that holistic picture. But I think what's important is that these cap goals need to be addressed because it is the law. And right. having IT weaved into existing cap goals as an enabler is a great thing, but is not what the law says. Real property and IT need to have standalone cap goals because these are long-standing IT management issues. So I'm going to just mention that, but Ms. Franks will talk about the, uh, the new metrics. Ms. Franks? Yes, I agree with Mr. Gray and Ms. Harris. So the, the metrics are not as comprehensive as one would think they need to be. So for an issue as complex and dynamic as cybersecurity, using a few selected measures cannot really just give us a holistic picture of what it's going to be needed to really substantially paint this picture of what's going to be needed to fully and comprehensive give us what the federal government needs to fully comply with the evolving cyber threats across the federal government, the, the sophisticated evolving events that plague us day in and day out. So what's going to be needed from these metrics is for OMB's guidance to give us that automated approach to really staying abreast of the cyber curve and really helping us to really um, fundamentally give us some 
up-to-date metrics, the smart patching, the multi-factor authentication, the event logging, all of those are going to help us, but we really are going to need some metrics that are going to help all of the agencies with where they are. All of the agencies' missions are different. They're fundamentally designed different. They're federated. They're just going to have to be designed differently for every single agency. Jennifer Franks of the Government Accountability Office at the House Oversight and Reform Government Operations Subcommittee hearing on Thursday on the 15th Fatara scorecard. You can find a link to the video of that hearing in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. You heard the new version of the scorecard has a few major changes from when it first came out in 2015. David Pounder is executive director of the Center for Data-Driven Policy at MITRE. He's former director of IT issues at the Government Accountability Office, and he's one of the architects of the original Fatara scorecard when he was at GAO. Dave, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. What's your takeaway, first of all, broadly from the Fatara hearing? Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Francis. Well, first of all, I'd like to start with giving some kudos to Congress. I mean, we had, you know, four congressional sessions starting with 114 through 117, where there was consistent oversight on the scorecard. And I think, you know, Representative Chairman Connolly pointed out, you know, he is, he'd worked with ISA on the bill and then in a bipartisan way with Heard, Meadows, Heiss. Robin Kelly deserves a lot of credit. So first of all, I think it, it's really an a, a excellent example of congressional oversight on a piece of legislation. So I think they deserve a lot of credit there. Second thing is, it's really time for the scorecard to change, Francis. Um, this has been talked about for numerous hearings now. Uh, we're not getting the returns that we got in the early years, and we really need to look at some of the things that are big challenges like legacy modernization, you know, budgets not reflecting needs, the workforce and those types of things. And I will highlight, you know, ACT-IAC did a, a very nice comprehensive report that I was part of that had recommendations for evolving the scorecard. It's very consistent with some of the testimony I've given over the past several years on the scorecard, but it's quite a comprehensive look. And, you know, that report has been briefed out to the federal CIO's office and GAO and congressional members. And I think that really needs to help uh, move the scorecard in a different direction. Uh, you said uh, that we're not getting the return that we were getting in the early years of the scorecard. Is that a problem or is that just a function of the fact that a lot of the things that were big problems at the beginning are not as big anymore and now we're kind of working on uh, some of the smaller issues? Yeah, it's it's not a problem, Francis. It's a good example is, you know, the savings we had on consolidating data centers. Huge savings early you know, that's starting to dip off. The incremental developments pointed out that, you know, we have 90% of the projects now delivering in small increments. Well, it's been, it's been in the 80s for a long period of time. So the question on some of these measures is, you know, when is enough enough? And, and we need to probably move to more pressing needs. Okay. And that's kind of what my takeaway from the hearing was, was, okay, we've been talking about a lot of this stuff for a long time. Some of the things are newer, the emphasis on cybersecurity, the EIS stuff. Yes. Some of that is relatively new and the scorecard has evolved over the years as you and I have talked about many times. But a lot of the core stuff is still the core stuff from version one, version two, version three. And the evolution that you alluded to that ACT IAC wrote about uh, you're right. What they came out with, Richard Spires was on with me on the uh, last program that I hosted. 
uh, talking about that. I talked to Dave Wenigren about it, two of the leaders of that. You, of course, were on that and a lot of other really uh, high-level people. Does that comport with the kinds of things that you heard Jason Gray talking about when the members said, how do we change these metrics? What makes sense? What should we measure? Because he had some, some I, I think, uh, pretty thoughtful ideas about that too. I, I think it really does, Francis. And if you look at that report and the eight measures that are suggested, these are things CIOs do. I mean, they're things CIOs do. So we've heard from you know many of the CIOs from that report, and they said, yeah, these are areas that we could measure. I have data on that. And these are things that, you know, on a weekly basis, I measure to these, you know, important areas. Um, the, do the numbers matter at this point on an individual agency basis so much as uh, it matters that the government as an enterprise continues to make progress? I know seven agencies increased, 17 agencies held, nobody went down. How much does that matter, 15 scorecards in? I don't think it matters because it hasn't changed. You would expect it to go up if things stay the same, Francis. So you're right, 17 stayed the same, seven went up. Again, I'll, I'll just highlight that's why it's a need to change. I, I, I do think, you know, the the big thing coming out of the hearing, especially with Chris the Russia there, was, you know, where are we going with uh, cyber metrics? Because, you know, we did away with these capital metrics with the last scorecard, and there was a promise to have them in place this go around. They weren't in place in time for GAO and the committee to do their assessment. But I will say, you know, when you look at what the Russia pointed to on performance.gov, they actually have this cybersecurity progress report. And they lay out metrics with, you know, the five categories of the NIST framework. And then there's, you know, sub sub measures within those five categories. So for instance, like on the protect category, there's measures on encryption and multi-factor authentication and patch management. So I when I when I went and looked at, you know, what the administration put on performance.gov, I know there were comments made that they're not comprehensive and complete. And even DeRussia said, you know, we need to grow them. But I think it's a really good start. And the thing that I was most impressed is not only did they define the metrics, but then there's an assessment by agency where they took those, you know, those five categories in this framework. And they gave agencies a letter grade. So, for instance, it was from like 68% to 94. I think Interior, you know, unfortunately had the low at 68. GSA had the high score at 94. But there were also some really good, if you look at performance.gov, some really good summaries that uh, OMB is saying, you know, like we really did good on respond and recover. And in some ways, you might respect that with all the incidents and the focus on incident reporting in Congress and those things, Francis. But they said, like, on the protection and detection categories, there's some gaps and we need to do better. Those gaps are tied to, like, some of the tenets of zero trust. So a lot of this stuff starts adding up when you start looking at it. And I think what's going to be key to watch is how those metrics evolve from OMB, these FISMA metrics over time. Those cyber numbers were interesting to me too, Dave, and uh, Jason Miller at Federal News Network writes this, OMB says the General Services Administration was the only agency who scored above 90%, 14 agencies scored in the 80-plus group, including the Departments of Justice and HHS, 88% each, and the Education Department with 87%. Um, I note Jason Gray left education to go to USAID, and so... He's got a high grade at his former agency on uh, on cyber, and he's got the only A among all of the agencies graded on the scorecard at his new agency. So he's probably the Fatara star of this uh, half year. Um, what do you expect? What 
what's the most important change of the changes that have, were discussed at this hearing that you talked about a moment ago and that we've talked about historically in this community for version 16 when that comes around next summer? Yeah, so I think continuing to evolve the cyber metrics, we can start there and it sounds like OMB has a really good start on that, right? But again, I, I really think we need to look at the categories, like for instance, the data center category, I think there was primarily A's. It's time to retire some of these categories Francis, and, and I'll point to, you know, some of the the, uh, the uh, categories that were mentioned in the ACT-IACT report, legacy modernization. I mean, we really need to look at that, but not only is that inhibiting missions, but there's also severe security vulnerabilities associated with some of these legacy apps. You know, a real focus on the workforce. You know, we talk about, you know, bolstering our workforce and leveraging authorities, you know, like uh, direct hiring and critical position pay. We need to really do some of those things. And so I would say those are the things we really want to look at. You know, workforce, legacy modernization, and cyber would be at the top of the list. There's other categories you could focus on, but if I had to pick three, I would say those would be the three biggies. And clearly those were three big categories that the ACT IAC threw that and you mentioned there were a lot of great people that had input into that report. Uh, with a lot of experience, you know, those were three of the eight categories that we focused on in that report. The last thing I want to ask you about is something that neither Chairman Conley, Ranking Member Heist, nor any of the other members of the committee were happy about. And in fact, you're, both of your former colleagues, Carol Harris and Jennifer Franks from GAO, pointed out also the uh, OMB and the executive branch as a whole is way, way overdue with their cybersecurity cross-agency priority goals. That information not present in time for the hearing, it would be reasonable to expect that should be ready for the next one, right? They're going to have another six months to prepare that information. And, I, and in fact, it would strike me it's probably a good idea to have that done sooner rather than later, right? Yeah. And the way I look at it, Francis, is, you know, we called them cross-agency priority cyber goals in the past, but, you know, what was rolled out on performance.gov, these, these metrics associated with the five levels of the NIST framework, those could easily be your cross-agency priority goals that we could use going forward in the future. And I will say this too, I, I do think it's important that, you know, FISMA didn't cross the finish line this last congressional session, FISMA reform. And I think if we focus on that in Congress too, along with the scorecard, but really getting FISMA across the finish line in this 118th Congress, I think that's going to be really big to continue to push everything in the right direction. Dave, it's great to talk to you as always. Thanks very much. I really appreciate the depth of knowledge that you have on this. Thank you, Francis. You can find links to the Fatara Scorecard, the Federal News Network story about the hearing and the ACT-IAC recommendations for revamping the scorecard in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. The Federal Government Today is a production of the Francis Rose Media Group in Washington, D.C. You can subscribe now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode of the Federal Government Today with Francis Rose. Thanks very much for listening. 